Chapter Three of Journeys to Baghdad. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Abai in November 2019. Journeys to Baghdad by Charles S. Brooks. The Decline of Nightcaps. It sounds like the tinkle of triviality to descend from the stern business of this present time to write of nightcaps. And yet, while the discordant battles are puffing their cheeks upon the rumbling bass-pipes, it is relief if there be intermingled a small, shrill treble, any slightest squeak outside the general woe. There was a time when the chief issue of fowl was feather beds. Some few tallest and straightest feathers may be, were used on women's hats, and a few of better nib than common were set aside for poets' use, goose feathers in particular being fashioned properly for the softer flutings, whether of love or spring. But in the main the manifest destiny of a feather was a feather bed. In those days it was not enough that you plunged to the chin in this hot swarm of weathers, for discretion, in an attempt to ward off from you all snuffling rooms, coughings, hackings, and other fleshly ills, required you before kicking off the final slippers to shut the windows against what were believed to be the dank humours of the night. Nor was this enough. You slept, of course, in a four-post bed, and the curtains had to be pulled together beyond the peradventure of a cranny then as a last prophylaxis you put on a nightcap mr pickwick's was tied under the chin like a sunbonnet and the cords dangled against his chest but this was a matter of taste it was behind such triple rampart that you slept and were adjudged safe from the foul contagion of the dark consequently your bed was not exactly like a little boat rather it was like a pullman sleeper which, as you will remember, was invented early in the nineteenth century and stands as a monument to its wisdom. I have marvelled at the ease with which Othello strangled Desdemona. Further thought gives it explanation. The poor girl was half suffocated before he laid hands on her. I find also a solution of Macbeth's enigmatic speech. Wicked dreams abuse the curtained sleep. Any dream that could get at you through the circumvallation of glass, brocade, cotton, and feathers could be no better than a quadruplicated housebreaker, compounded out of desperate villainies. Reader, have you ever purchased a pair of pyjamas in London? This is homely stuff, I write, yet there's pathos in it. The jaunty air betokens the beginning of your search before question and reiteration have dulled your spirits. Later there will be less sparkle in your eye. What? Do not the English wear pyjamas? Does not the sex that is bifurcated by day keep by night to its manly bifurcation? Is not each separate leg swathed in complete divorcement from its fellow? Or womanish? Do they rest in the common dormitory of a short de nuit? The Englishman does wear pyjamas, but the word with him takes on an Icelandic meaning. They are built to the prescription of an Eskimo. 
they are woolly fuzzy and the width of a finger thick if i were a night watchman doomed for a certain term to walk the night i should insist on english pyjamas to keep me awake if saint sebastian who i take it wore sackcloth for the glory of his soul could have lighted on the pair of pyjamas that i bought on oxford circus his halo would have burned the brighter just how the feathery and billowy nights of our great-grandparents were changed into the present is too deep for explanation perhaps annie left a door or window open such neglect fitting with her other heedlessness and notwithstanding this means of entry it was found in the morning that no sprite or oof had got in to pinch the noses of the sleepers at least there was no evidence of such a visitation unless the snoring that abounded all the night did proceed from the pinching of the nose the nasal orifice being so clamped betwixt the forefinger and the thumb of these devilish sprites that the breath was denied its proper channel unless snoring was so caused it is clear that no oof had clambered through the window or perhaps some brave man a brother to him who first ate an oyster put up the window out of bravado to snap thereby his fingers at the forms of darkness and being found whole and without blemish or mark of which upon his throat and without catharal snuffling in his nose of a consequence the harsh opinion against the night softened or maybe some younger woman threw up her window to listen to the slim tenor of moonlight passion with such strumming business as accompanied tinkling of cithern or mandolin and so with chin in hand she sighed her soul abroad to the result that the closing was forgotten it is like enough that her dreams were all the sweeter for the breeze that blew across her bed loaded with the rhythmic memory of the words she had heard within the night it was vanity killed the nightcap what aldermanic man would risk the chance of seeing himself in the mirror what judge peruked by day could so contain his learned locks what male with waxed mustachios or with limpest beard or chin new-reaped would put his ears in such a compress you will recall how mr pickwick snatched his off when he found the lady in the curl papers in his room his round face showed red with shame against the dusky bed curtains like the sun peering through the fog as for bed curtains they served the intrigue of at least five generations of novelists from fielding onward there was not a rogue's tale of the eighteenth century complete without them the wrong persons were always being pinned up inside them the cause of such confusion started in the tap too much negus or an overdrop of pineapple rum with a lemon in it or a potent drink whose name i have forgotten that was always ordered and make it look my dear then after such evening a turn to the left instead of right a wrong counting of doors along the passage the jiggling of bed curtains screams and consternation it is one of the seven original plots except for clothes closets screens and bed curtains stern must have gone out of the novel business sheridan have lost fecundity and dryden starved in a garret but the moths got into their red brocade at last and pretty meal they made 
a sleeping porch is the symbol of the friendly truce between man and the material universe the world itself and the void spaces of its wanderings together with the elements of our celestial neighbourhood have been viewed by men with dark suspicion with rather a squint-eyed prejudice let's take a single case winds for a long time have borne bad reputations except such anemic collateral as are called sapphires but winds properly speaking which are big and strong enough to have rough chins and beards coming have been looked upon as roustabouts what was mere humour in their behaviour has been set down to mischief if a wind in playfulness does but shake a casement or if in frolic it scatters the ashes across the hearth or if in liveliness it swishes you as you turn a corner and drives you aslant across the street is it right that you set your tongue to gossip and judge it as son of belial there are persons also but such sleep indoors in whose ears the wind whistles only gloomy tunes or if it rises to shrill piping it rouses only a fear of chimneys thus in both high pitch and low there is fear in the hearing of it into their faces will come a kind of god help the poor sailors in the channel look as in a melodrama when the paper snowstorm is at its worst and the wind machine is straining at its straps one would think that they were afraid the old earth itself might be buffeted off its course and fall afoul of neighbouring planets but behold the man whose custom is to sleep upon a porch at what slightest hint the night being yet young with scarce three yawns gone round does he shut his book and screen the fire with what speed he bolts the door and puts out the downstairs lights lest callers catch him in the business how briskly does he mount the stairs with fingers already on the buttons then with what scattering of garments he makes him ready as though his explosive speed had blown him all to pieces and launched him about the room then behold him such general amputation not having proved fatal advancing to the door muffled like a monk there is a slippered flight he dives beneath the covers i draw you a winter picture you will see no more of him now than the tip of his nose rising like a little etna from the waves but does he fear the wind as it fumbles around the porch and plays like a kitten with the awning cords bless you he has become a playmate of the children of the night the swaying branches the stars the swirl of leaves all the romping children of the night and if there was any fear at all within the darkness it has gone to sulk behind the mountains but the wind sings a sleepy song and the game's too short then the wind goes round and round the house looking for the leaves for the wind is a bit of a nursemaid and wherever it finds them it tucks them in under fences and up against cellar windows where they will be safe until morning then it goes off on other business for there are other streets in town and a great many leaves to be attended to but the fellow with the periscopic nose above the covers lies on his back beneath the stars and contemplation journeys to him from the wide spaces of the night end of chapter three